Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. So if you could uh, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 22, please. And I want to pray for us. I haven't felt this before. I don't think, well, maybe I've said it before here. I don't ever remember saying it, but I had this, I don't want to give you the oogie boogies, but I was sitting over there praying and and listening to the music and I just felt like there was something that I needed to pray against. And so I'm going to do that because if I sense that, I just want to jump on it. So father, um, this is your house. If there's anything here that doesn't belong to you, we cast it out in the name of Jesus. This is your community. This is for your honor. And this is your space. Jesus, we invite you. Amen. Okay. So on that big woohoo. Um, so uh, we have been going through a series uh, because um, it, it, we've been confronted with the idea of evangelism. And when I say the word evangelism, we all have that same immediate feeling like, oh, evangelism is lame. So we said, all right, fine. Let's start a series called Evangelism is Lame. And when I say series, I say that loosely. I say that we're going to look at what does it mean to share this good news? Because evangelism supposedly is the word we use in English for how we're going to share that good news. But nobody wants to do that because that just feels horrible. Um, because we've seen it abused and done wrong and awkward and weird and just, ah. So... Um, I was with a friend of mine and, um, uh, the, with, from shoreline and we're still good buddies and we were, um, sitting in his jacuzzi and he said, so what's this whole deal about being a church for people that go to church? Like, what does that mean? And I could just see the look on his face as I've seen that look several times before, even from some of you, like, what does that mean? Who does it? And so as I was sitting with him, I said, well, you know how, you know, you have certain friends that you like want to invite. Like, you want to invite them to something. You want, to, you want them to hear this good news. But, like, you're too scared to do it yourself, so you don't really know what to do. So you just don't do anything. And then if there's the possibility where they want to go to church, you're like, oh, let me take them to church. But then when you're going to take them to church, you're like, oh, I really hope my church doesn't mess it up this Sunday. <laughs> like, I really, and you know what I'm talking about. That laugh means that you know what I'm talking about. Because what if they do this or say that? And because... Um, there's a, another, another guy I know, and he started a church very similar to ours. Uh, it doesn't look the same, feel the same, but it's the same purpose. And he came from a church that's been around for decades. And his dad's actually a famous uh, preacher that everybody would know, and he's on television. And, but he wears a suit all the time. And, and so this guy grew up in this church because his dad's the pastor. And he wants to, he had a couple friends he wanted to invite, but he's like, I can't invite him there. He goes, I feel super comfortable there. Like, that's my place. I've grown up there. Anyone who's been a Christian for 10, 15, 20 years, even five years can walk into my dad's church and they feel like, oh, cool. But not these guys, not these ladies. Like, this isn't their place. They're, they're not into their religious ritual. This isn't their world. This isn't their language. And so what do we do? And so he ended up starting a church in a warehouse for that same reason, because he had friends like that. That's what it means to be a church for people and go to church. It didn't sound nearly that smooth in jacuzzi, but I've had time to practice it. 
because um, he threw me off. I was like, what, 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 what? So, but I knew why we did it, and that's the core reason. And so when we talk about this, we talk about evangelism, you have to take the word evangelism out because you associate certain things with it, but we got to get to the core of this because we have some good news. So how practically do we share this good news? How do we do it? Um, here's one way to look at it. So some of you probably know investors. I don't know if you have any friends that are investors, if you even know what an investor is. I want to show you what the definition is for investing. Um, so if you could go to that slide, Jason, it should be a couple here. So kind of give you an understanding of what my friend does. So um, what he does is he takes resources, usually not his resources. He takes somebody else's resources, but um, resources nonetheless. And you take it, whether it's time or talents or money. He particularly deals with money. And you give it with the expectation of an increase in value or a profitable return. So he deals with people's money. So if you were to be an investor and you were to invest in something, you would take either your time, your talents, or your money, and you would invest it with the hope that the return would be greater than what you put in, that the value that comes back would be higher. And so he's part of this club, and they're in this investing club. And so they get together and talk about investing. Sounds kind of boring, right? But they're really excited about it. These guys are passionate about investing. So they get together, and they have their lunches, and then everyone's going to go and golf and have their little golf times. And so they've started to advance it a little bit. So now they get together on Sunday mornings and they share investing stuff. And they have someone stand up and teach about investing. And they sing songs about investing and they talk about books that they've done with investing. But here's the thing that's been happening to this group of guys and girls is they're getting together and they're doing all this talk and they're singing the songs and they're going on conferences around the world. And they're going to different places to share about investing. However, they're not doing any investing anymore. They just talk about it all the time. And then every once in a while, there'll be someone that invests. And they'll take some of their resources and they'll invest it into something. And they'll do it like two times. So then they take that person like, hey, why don't you come share at our conference? And he's like, oh, sure. Well, what I did is I took this little bit and I put it into this. And then I put a little bit here. And then I saw that it started to grow and more came back from it. And so they're like, now that person's on a speaking tour because they're one of the few people that actually still invest. Everybody else talks about it and sings about it. But this guy actually did it. So now he stops investing because he's got to go talk about it some more. Obviously, I'm not talking about investing here, right? I'm talking about us, the light of the world. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Not you could be, you should be, you can be. Hey, whatever you are, where however it's working, you are the light of the world. That's who we are. And we are called to do this, to take the resources we have and to give it with the expectation of an increase in value. I hear people talk about this quite often about what it means to be a mature Christian. Okay? We, we go to this verse all the time. We go to this verse all the time because it's the greatest commandment. And we want to kind of camp out there at the greatest commandment because until we get it wired, there's really no reason to move on, right? And in this greatest commandment, Jesus said this. He said, all of the law, everything that I'm going to teach you, everything that matters can be summed up in this. So let's look at it. He's asked... What is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the greatest and the most important commandment. 
The second most important commandment is like it. So it's like two sides of the same coin. So you can't really separate them because they're tied together, right? They're tied together. The second most important commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. Now, what we're going to discover this morning, which we talk about quite often as well, is that you read this, okay, that sounds good, and we move on. Instead of realizing the weight and the significance of what is being said here. Because this is heavy. This is, sounds pretty, but this is difficult. Love somebody else like you love yourself. That's painful. To love someone as yourself is to give outside of yourself to the point where it hurts. Because that's what love is. If it doesn't hurt, it's not love. Do you ever think about that? Think about some time that you've really felt loved. It costs someone to do that. It always does. Because if it's love, it costs. People would say, you know what? I don't think I'm a mature enough Christian. And we define maturity the wrong way. Because the way that we should define maturity is not how long you've been around. I believe since 1982. Yeah, big deal. You could have just made a decision that you were going to follow Christ a week ago. What makes you mature is that you're bearing fruit. And to bear fruit, to be mature, what it really looks like is the level of your sacrifice. Let me say that again because I want you to hear that. Our maturity is not defined by how long we've been around following Jesus. Our maturity is defined by our level of sacrifice to him and to others, to our neighbors, to those around us. To follow Jesus, you just, you have to know. If you, if you haven't made the decision yet, please listen up because I want you to know what you're getting yourself into. There's going to be sacrifice, great sacrifice. I mean, let's look at the 12 disciples. We're not going to look at all 12 of them, but I want to look at a few of them. They gave their lives, literally took it to the absolute extreme of sacrifice. They gave their lives because their Savior gave his life. It didn't seem weird to them. They're like, duh. It doesn't matter. Christ conquered death anyways, and he gave that for me so that I would share this with others. Of course, whatever it takes. I'm not afraid of death. And so ended up for them, Matthew, he died of a sword wound. Uh, Mark was dragged by horses to his death. Just dragged through the city. And, these, and they, were, they died in different cities for the most part. Uh, Luke was hung in Greece. John, as we've been talking about, was exiled on the island of Patmos. So like basically sent to prison there. And he died in exile. Um, Peter, as we've talked about, was crucified upside down. And as he was being crucified, uh, legend has it that he said, uh, I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up so, like my Lord. So crucify me upside down. Um, James was thrown off the temple. The same place where Jesus was on the pinnacle of the temple, the same place where Jesus was tempted by the devil, that same pinnacle, that's where they took him up and they threw him off. They didn't kill him, though. So he's down there, oh, oh. And then they said, well, he's not dead. So they came with clubs, and then they beat him to death. Um, James, the, the brother of John, was beheaded. Um, Thomas stabbed by a spear. Is this uplifting you guys? You guys feeling all excited, encouraged? Um, uh, Jude was killed with an arrow. 
Um, and I could go on and on. They, they suffered. But I love what one of the disciples said as he was coming up to one of the crosses. One of the disciples that was um, coming up to the cross. The, the people around him shared that he said this. He said, ah, I've been waiting for this moment. And not like, oh, I've been waiting for this moment. Like, no, I've been waiting for this moment. What? How can you say that? Because they know the love of Christ. You need to understand that this life that we're talking about, this, this life is one of sacrifice. And another way to say sacrifice is to invest. It's to take what you have and to give it with the expectation that the value will increase. Remember what Jesus said in John 12, 24. When he went to go to the cross, they were trying to talk him out of it. And he's like, what are you guys doing? In fact, within that moment, that's when he told Peter, look, get behind me, Satan. Because you have the things of man in mind. And then he says this, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, unless it dies, it will remain by itself alone. But if it dies, it will bear much fruit. This life, it's, you hear those stories, you're like, I don't think I'm so into this. But it's beautiful. It, it's the way life was meant. It's what was meant for all of us. Now, I'm, I'm kind of cheating here because I'm basically just giving you the same sermon I gave you last week and the week before. Some of you are like, oh, it's a good thing I didn't come last week. This is basically the same thing. You know what? Next week, it's going to sound a lot like this one. Because it's the same thing said a different way. But we're going to look at this same passage in uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And again, you can look at these passages and go, oh, isn't that beautiful? That's so nice. Um, this was Paul talking to the church at Thessalonica, talking about how he cared for them. And he was just, he was not trying to brag. He was just saying, you know how it was when we were with you. And this is what he says. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. You need to understand something. He did not know these people ahead of time. These were strangers to him. When we're talking about sharing this good news, I really want you to think about the people that don't know Christ. We're going to talk in depth about that next week and why that's so important. But the reality is, and it's, it's, it comes up time and time and time again in the word of God, that God is passionate about those who are disconnected from him. It doesn't mean that they're more valuable but they are more important at that moment. We'll talk about this a little bit next week. If you have a child, and for some reason, one child is missing, you go looking for that one child. You don't go, well, I don't know where that child is, but at least I got this one back home. You know, that never crosses your mind, because at that moment, the most important one is the one that's not there secure. And so God is passionate about those that are not secure and not connected with him. And so Paul goes to this church at Thessalonica, and this is how he treats those people that are not connected to the Father. He says, just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we, this sounds like a card, doesn't like a greeting card. Like a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We work night and day in order not to be a burden. And that is work, by the way. He's over there. He's in another city outside. And he, we worked hard not to be a burden to you. He actually made tents while they were there. 
so they wouldn't be a burden. You know, hey, can I stay in your house? Can I eat all your food? Hey, can you change your whole day schedule for me? You know what I mean, house guest, right? We didn't want to be a burden to any of you. So also, we took care of ourselves while we preached the gospel of God to you. I want to focus on this part. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children. Doesn't that sound beautiful? Yeah, unless you're a nursing mother. I'm sitting here, and I, I made eye contact with one of my good friends, and she had twins. And if there's anybody that's laughing at this, it's her. Because I remember her at the moment, double-gunned, like this. And I see the nursing moms and all the, oh, that must be great. I wish I could do that. No, you don't. No, you don't. Because I remember certain moms when their kids got teeth. And they, they still got a nurse, and they can't tell the child, oh, you know what? Don't do this. Why don't you do this? And they give them all these little tricks, like, oh, just give them a little flick in the face. Yeah, tell a mom to flick her child in the face. They're trying all these little tricks to do it. Um, oh, wow, that's great. It's August, and I'm nursing right now. There's nowhere to go, and the AC's busted. I've got nowhere to be. Or you're hanging out with all your friends, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. Now I've got to leave everybody because I've got to go nurse. Like, that's just part of the deal, right? But it sounds so pretty when you put it there. Paul's saying, just as a nursing mother. And every mother's like, Paul, you have no clue. But he has kind of an idea here because to care for someone, to care for that child, to nurse for a child, it's going to cost. You're investing your time, your comfort. Mothers, thank you. We, we don't know, I don't know really what it costs, but it costs. It's an investment, and you believe it's worth it. And you know what? The mothers never really complain. They know it costs. They don't go, oh, really, it's nothing. If they say it, they're just saying that to you know, look good. They don't mean it, because it does cost. It isn't nothing. It's difficult, but it is beautiful. And they love to do it. Isn't that weird? It costs, and it's difficult, and it's painful, yet they love to do it. That's what it's like to live this life that Christ has called us to. And if we live a life like that, like Paul did, we don't have to go around evangelizing. We're loving them. Grace opens the door to the truth. Do you see how it works? We just love. It doesn't mean we hold back the words. But you have no right to share any words unless you're loving. And loving isn't a feeling. It's a decision. Then Paul goes on and he describes it this way. So we go to the next slide, verse 10. He says, you are witnesses. This is right after. He says, you are witnesses and so is God of how holy, righteous, and blameless we were among you who believed. That's a pretty big deal to say that. You know how holy, righteous, and blameless. Which is another way for us to understand he's lowering the bar of what you think that means. Because Paul is not perfect. And then he describes it this way. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. So now I want you to picture a dad, right? A dad who encourages, comforts, and urges their children to live lives worthy of God, who calls you into his kingdom and his glory. Why does that sound so easy, and yet that is so ridiculously hard? Yesterday, I'm out surfing with my son. And there were a bunch of kids, they're in town for this contest, and there's a bunch of adults there, and everybody surfs really well. And so I can see him starting to get nervous and kind of like not wanting to take certain waves, and when he does stand, his knees are kind of like shaky, and he's falling on ways he wouldn't normally fall. And so I'm like, all right, I'm a dad. I've seen this on TV. I'm going to encourage him. 
I'm going to build him up. And so I'm like, you know what, man? You belong here. Don't feel like you've got this. You belong here. You're a great surfer. Don't worry about what they're doing. Just enjoy your time out here. Don't be intimidated and think everyone else is better than you so that you don't assert yourself for who you are. You belong. Sounds good, yeah? So I say that, and this was literally his face. And it got worse. Like, he was more discouraged. Like, I was beating him up. Like, you stink. And I'm like, and I'm, oh, my gosh. How hard is this? Like, how in the world can I encourage my kids? Because I try all the time, and I think, oh, this is going to work perfect. And it doesn't work. I'm going to try this. Oh, this doesn't work. I'm going to try this. Oh, this doesn't work. Comfort them. Oh, let me pull in close and comfort you. Oh, stop it. Oh, my gosh. Like, what? Is there a manual for this? Is there, this is not easy. So when Paul says this, it didn't just come naturally. He had to figure it out. How do I encourage these people? How do I comfort them? How do I urge them? Now, he's talking about being like a father, and he's talking about being like a mother to basically strangers. He's investing, because this costs a lot to be a mother. It costs a lot to be a dad. It costs a lot to treat people as if you were a parent in their life. Not that you're their authority, but that you're caring for them, encouraging and comforting them. To be gentle with them. To be gentle, especially for me, that is brutally tough. So how do you do that with people? Like I said, this is great to talk about this, but this is, this is where the rubber meets the road. And so when we look at God's word and we talk about following Jesus and we see that he gave his life, took it all the way to the end, have this attitude in you which was in Christ Jesus who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he emptied himself. He invested all of himself. Why? So that we could know him. So that we could be reconnected with God. And so the question for us this morning is, who are you investing in? No, really. What name just came to your mind? Now, you can choose your spouse, you can choose your kids, but I want, as we've been talking about, to choose someone that's outside of that. Who is it? like the people in Thessalonica, like the strangers that Paul, those people that you work with, the people that you go to school with, the people that are next to you, the people whose dog walks over and dumps in your yard and then leaves and you know it's them, but they don't tell you it's them, but you know, are you investing in them? Who are you investing in? Who are you pouring yourself out to? Because we have to have practical people that we're pouring into. And as I'm talking about this and wrestling with this this week, I could not come up with any names for myself. Because I have turned into one of those guys at the investors club. Who's at the investing club talking about investing. I got the mic. I've got the book. And I'm sharing it. And I'll bring up people to share the stories. And yet, I've kind of lost my way here. And I've stopped thinking about the people, the few people that are outside that I could just be investing in. Going out of my way to love them more than the people that are already secure, to invest more in them because they are more important. Not more valuable, but more important because they don't know this good news. They've been hurt. They've been beat up. Whatever the case, they've heard someone abuse the name of Christ. What am I doing for that? It's easier for me to go to Mexico. It's easier for me to go to El Salvador, to Cambodia, to Africa. But what about right here? Who are the people? They're around me. I'm friends with them. But am I stepping back and thinking practically, like, how am I investing? What am I, 
what am I taking out of myself and giving it away? This is beautiful stuff. I got this video sent to me. You know, this person that always sends you videos like all the time. And then you hit delete, 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 delete. So this person said, hey, I got this friend. He always sends me this stuff. And I always hit delete. But for some reason, I actually hit play. It's pretty awesome. So he sent it to me. And then, of course, I was like, I, I just didn't get around to deleting it. Um, so I wasn't going to watch it. And then I watched it. And I was like, whoa. Now, it's, it's an advertisement for Thailand insurance. But it's awesome. So I think it, it, it shares in, in one version or another what this means and also the beauty behind it. Because that's what art does. Told you. Almost right when the girl walked out and he turned... I was almost going to yell, gotcha, didn't it? Like right then, like boom. Why? Why does that happen? Why does art do that? Because you know in your heart that that's what it feels like. You know what that feels like when you see something beautiful like that. Now, this is typically a time when a pastor says, now, go to the person that's your worst enemy and love them like that. I just really don't think that's realistic. It doesn't mean you can't do that. But why not just start with the people you like? Think about it. Think about the people that don't know the love of Christ. What if you, and they're your friends, you like them. Why don't you just think of, wait, what are some different ways that I can just invest even more in them? Not to trick them into anything, just love them more. Like practically, okay, Lord, how do I do this? Why not start there? Who said you can't? Because what that's going to do is start opening up the door to you to see what it's looked like to create something beautiful. Because God works. That's why the Bible says that our good deeds will bring glory to our Father. The Bible talks about things like this. I don't know how the dog figures into it and all, but that's for someone else to give the theology of animals and Christ and all that. But the point here is, is that there are people all around us that we need to be investing in. And when you think of your time and your talents and your resources, this is my next question for you. What is it, if you were asked the question, if you're going to the home groups this week, this is what you're going to hear. What is it right now that you are investing in the most? And it's a, probably an it. It's probably not a person. It might be a person, but what is it? Maybe a person, but probably an it that you're investing in the most right now. And if it's not a person, and if it's a, not a person that's really important, and what I mean by a person that's important is a person that really needs it. Remember Peter? When he denied Christ and Jesus came back and he said, get the disciples and Peter. Why did he say Peter? Was Peter more valuable than the other disciples? No. But at that moment, he was broken. He felt separated. He felt like he had no chance back. And so at that moment, he was more important to Jesus because he was not secure. He was not taken care of. He was lost. What is it right now that you're investing in most? Is it what's important or do you need to reallocate your investment? In the past few days, just thinking about this, and I was thinking about people here at Branches, and there is just a sea of beauty here. I wish we could do a video on so many of you and what you're doing. This morning, I'm sitting down here, and someone walks up and says, Hey, my wife and I, you know, off to the side. They, they give it to Dennis. Um, hey, we want to give some money for someone that wants to go to VBS that can't go. Can you make sure that this gets to whoever it needs to get to? Yesterday, I'm in somebody's house, um, picking up one of my kids. And in this house, these people I don't really know, 
And they're like, wait, do you know these people? And I'm like, yeah, I do. And then they start telling me all of the ways that these people on their street, who are believers in Christ, by the way, have been loving them, who are not followers of Christ from my understanding. And they just were like this huge smile, like, oh, and they, we, we do this, and they did this for us, and they did that. And they just kept talking about it. There was this joy in their face because of their neighbors. Not me. I was just coming to pick up my kid. These people invested in them and loved them because they liked them. There's nothing wrong with investing in people you like. But we need to be practical. You only have so much time. You only have so much money and stuff. You only have so much skill and ability. And what you've been given, you're responsible for. There is nothing better than take your money and your stuff or your skills or your time and give it to someone. Especially when you know it was the right place and at the right time. During, the, during this last song, I'm going to invite the worship team up. During this last song, um, I want you to take the time to pray. That's what these songs are for. Sometimes you're actually praying out loud by singing. Sometimes um, you're not. Um, sometimes you're just letting it pour over you. But make this your time of prayer and say, Lord, who is it? Who is it that I can be investing in? What does that look like? It doesn't have to be anything elaborate. It could be simple. It could be someone that just needs some food. It could be someone, I, I know a guy that when he gets a little aerator for his yard, you know what those are? You know when you see those little pellets where it looks like just like a ton of little chihuahuas just pooped everywhere? But that's really the dirt that's being pulled out of the yard. That's an aerator, so it doesn't get really packed. So this guy gets one for his yard, and his son told me this. His son goes, you know what my dad does? He does his yard, and then he just goes around the neighborhood and sees who wants him to do theirs. Not a big deal, right? But it costs. Took his Saturday. But the guy does it with joy. And then it passed on to a son who sees this and watches this, who noticed this and shared the story with me. And now I'm sharing it with you. Kind of like the video, right? We should, make a, we should make a commercial out of the aerator guy. Let's stand up. No one's going to make a commercial. Probably no one will know. It'll be anonymous, but... That's what we do as followers of Christ. We love recklessly, creatively, consistently. Father, lead us. We surrender to you, asking that you would make us more like you.